You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Welcome to Security Sandbox. I'm Amanda Fennell, Chief Security Officer at Relativity, where we help the legal and compliance world solve complex data problems securely. And that takes a lot of creativity. One of the best things about a sandbox is that you can try anything. This season, let's explore how curiosity and personal passions inspire stronger security. Grab your shovel and let's dig in. In today's episode, our sandbox tries its hand in show business. Joining me to pull back the green screen is Adam Cole, visual effects coordinator at Lucasfilm and founder of Humble Beginnings Films. Adam's also about to launch a cyber psychological thriller film of his own, so I'm really excited to have him in the director's seat for this discussion. Also with us is CJ Weimer, Relativity's Manager of Vulnerability Management, and as we lovingly like to call him, our resident hacker, but way cooler than the ones you see in the movies. So grab your popcorn and take a seat. All right, Adam, we're going to start with you. I am yeah. interested. So you're going to have to answer this question. You answer this all the time, how you got into the industry. But also I'm going to add on for a little flavor what makes you stay. So for me, I actually started my whole career journey um, in electrical electronic engineering, which is pretty crazy. I was sort of en route to becoming an engineer. And then I went to uni, did the first year of television and video technology degree. And it was a bit boring because it was very much the uh, science side of things. And it was a BSc. And I expected to actually pick up a camera, which I didn't even touch a camera my first year. <laughs> I discovered something called Mama Youth Project, which is this great organization which helps ethnic minorities get into the industry. Quick question, though, with Mama Youth, are they still active in it and where are they located out of? Uh, Mama Youth are still active right now, yes. And they've got a base in Sky Studios, which is a big sports studios here in, in London, which is amazing. So, yeah, they're, they're still running and they're still very much active. And I still get messages from them every now and then. So they're just a great organization. So did university. Um, I got experience um, working in live TV, which was great. I was working for Revelation TV. And, and after I graduated, I did the Olympics, which was also very amazing, the 2012 Olympics. Um, and then after that, I went on to work in Spain for the same uh, TV channel. And then after about two years, I sort of, had this yearning calling to join the film industry, which the film industry really is like this secret club if if you don't know anyone. So for me, the film industry was this illusion. So then I ended up, uh, after two years, quitting my, quitting my job, come back to the UK, live with my mum, and sort of hit the reset button. Hmm. And then I got an email from my youth project saying that there's a there is a there is a Hollywood feature film going on. There is a job as a production assistant. They didn't tell me what it was for because for, for a lot of these these Hollywood films, they don't really tell you what it is. They just tell you that this big studio is got a film coming on. Um, are you interested? I went in. I figured out that it was Justice League, um, <laughs> and then I ended up I ended up not getting the job because I wasn't experienced enough for the job that I went for. Um, the visual effects producer ended up keeping my details on file. And when the Justice League did the reshoots about a year and a half later, I ended up working on the Justice League reshoots, which was 
pretty sweet for my first job in the film industry. Yeah, I mean, from from us geeky crowd, like that's that keeps us in awe. Obviously, um, Justice League is like a hot topic lately because of the Zack Snyder cut. I'm gonna have to ask you. You've seen it. You like you like the four hour cut. How do you feel about it? I like it. I love it. Um, I, I I will watch it again. When when I try and watch films, you know, it, it's sort of a long gap from when you finish filming it to when you actually get to watch it, which is great because you get to forget about the process of, you know, you making it and you get to, I try my best to watch it as a fan and mm. to not necessarily criticize it of every little thing that, that we shot and that could have been in the film. Mm. So I was very pleased with it. So your path in terms of you went one direction, you went to, and I'm going to hold on to this, by the way, the term uni, which is not something, that's not how we refer to it, but I'm grabbing it. Oh. That's my new term uh, from you. Take it. Stealing it. Take it. It's yours. So you went to uni. And then you stumbled into the career and what makes you stay? You, you mentioned a few times, like there's like a high to it. There's a moment of like, you feel like you brought something together. What is it so great about it? It's like this weird obsession. There's just this sort of buzz that you can't, can't really compare it to. I mean, I've, I've got friends who work in office jobs and um, people kind of fall into the same routine. And the thing that I love about, the film industry is that every film is different. Yes, you might have done things a similar way. You might you might work with similar people. You never exactly work with the exact same team. Um, so there's just this weird dynamic that you have to rediscover in every film, and it really keeps it fresh. So I, I've I've paired you today because um, you know when I was when I was at the time looking for the right content to really discuss was something which is a passion for some of the people on our team in security is is films it's production it's visual effects and at the time I stumbled upon you when I was looking into Lucasfilm because you were working with them I think you're ongoing right now and still working correct but it was more so when I like double clicked and like read up on you and kind of started going into it I love humble beginnings but I came across specifically Uncovered and it was this merger of like the cyber and the psychological. And I was like, ooh, that's the perfect blending of like cyber because we do a lot of that. So I, I paired you today with somebody who I thought would be a great help to you in your journey, which is CJ. So CJ, can you tell us what got you into the industry and what makes you stay? Yes. Hello. I... Went to undergrad um, to study originally computer science, and then after a year of that, realized I didn't. I'd wanted nothing to do with programming. Uh, <laughs> took me a year to realize that, but I'm glad I did. Um, graduated with a bachelor's in a super long title of a degree: Information Systems: colon, Information Security and Assurance. <sighs> um, which then landed me a job at uh, Relativity, where I was in customer support, actually. Um, but you got to wear many hats. You were basically part database administrator, part network administrator, part application troubleshooting. Um, learned a lot there, then went off to be a consultant, uh, where I got paid to hack into companies. Learned a ton there and came back to Relativity to work in the IT department before moving over to security. What keeps me here is that no two days are ever the same, mm. uh, especially in the cybersecurity world. You basically wake up every day having to worry about a new thing. So did you also have the same thing where your university didn't really prepare you for the field like Adam? Yeah, pretty much. I think <laughs> I think a lot of people 
I, I think it's because it comes down to like nothing is going to replace hands-on experience, right? You can study for an exam all you want. You can read textbooks all you want, but until you're like put in front of the keyboard and somebody says, all right, well now go like do the thing. You can't really train for that that well. Well, so the very first day that you started as a pen tester, you went in. Can you explain what it was like that first day? And like, what did you do? Did you like have to get past security, sit down, pop a, pop a rubber ducky in like I know you like to do? And Yeah, uh, I was hit with a, a big old case of imposter syndrome, like I think so many of us are. <laughs> uh, very much a try to fake it till you make it kind of thing. Um, it was nerve wracking. I, re I remember getting my first shell, which is a, a, a term for basically being able to run commands on a computer that isn't normally under your control. Um, I remember like more or less shaking with excitement and nervousness that like I finally had had gotten it. I was able to take control of a client's machine. There's like every hacker movie, by the way, has yeah. this moment embodied in it where they're always like, I'm in. Like, and you know, there's exactly. always that moment where they say that was in war games. It's in, you know, swordfish. It's like every movie that does hacking, they always like to have that moment of like, I got it. it it's not normally that fast though, right? It takes time. Yes, definitely takes time. Yeah, sorry. This was not on my first day. This was <laughs> after I had been at it for a bit. So we were kind of left to our own devices and, and could you know, spin up purposely vulnerable machines to practice on. So I think that's what um, the majority of my first day was trying to to pop a shell on a purposely vulnerable machine that we controlled. Adam, was your first day in the industry the same thing? You were trying to pop a shell on something? Yeah, pop a shell, pop a cat, pop pop something. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just, <laughs> just tried to kind of do anything possible. Um, it was, again, trial by fire and... I love it for that because my TV experience was exactly the same thing, but film was very much imposter syndrome, just like CJ has said. You kind of step onto this film set, very intimidating, massive sets, um, you know, huge studios, and you're just walking in there and you have to kind of pretend that you know what you're doing. So when they're rolling, I am sort of hidden in a corner somewhere, trying to not look at the actors and try and put them off or... In, in other situations where it's sort of a bit more. That's awkward. It, oh, That's super the definition. Awkward. So you're like, I'm not looking at you. Yeah, I'm not looking at you, but I'm kind of looking at you. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's taken me sort of years to kind of realize what to do. And I still don't know what to do. I mean, you, you obviously gain confidence throughout, throughout different jobs. And I'm sure CJ, you can relate. When you, when you do things, you know, every job you do, you, you gain confidence, you gain experience, you meet people the visual effects on set is still a bit new. Yeah. So sometimes you get a lot of these weird standoff looks. <laughs> so I always say hi to people. It's just, it's just what I do. Oh, that is like the opposite of CJ. Yeah, no, CJ gotta, yeah you avoid eye contact. You, you have to pretend <laughs> like you've been there before. Cause that's usually all it takes. And, uh, yeah, well, that is, that's the confidence though, is pretending you're supposed to be there. Oh, right? For sure. You just, yeah, you cannot make eye contact, just head forward, keep walking past the door that you're not supposed to be going through. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, th th this is weird on a film set because everyone stares at people. <laughs> and, and and I used to think it was like, it was a kind of what you do in here stare. But it, it, a lot of the time, it is pretty much a I haven't seen you around here type of stare. So then I say hi. Um, and I've realized that since the first one. So I saw Will Smith and I was like, oh, what do we do? So I was like, hey. And he said hi. 
And then it was like, I was like, how are you doing? Because that's usually what comes after, hi. Um, and then he's like, yeah, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. And I was like, what do I do? Like, this is a guy that I've grown up watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like, I don't idolize people. Did you watch the Fresh Prince yeah. of Bel-Air? You were really into oh, this. Yeah. This, is, this is in the UK. This is Oh, yeah, massive. Yeah, I mean, it's a big, big part of our uh, lot of lives. Wait, wait, wait. I have to ask, do you know do you know the song? Are you going to pretend you don't know the song? I'm going to pretend I don't know the song for the sake of this podcast and okay. um, for the sake of the decibels. Uh, in West Philadelphia. Okay. I know. Okay. That's fine. Were so you born you- and raised? <laughs> so, so you go on stage now, or you go on set nowadays and everything seems normal and you're a little more confident in it now. The first day you both had the same imposter syndrome of, holy crap, I hope nobody realizes I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah, right? absolutely. You get through this. How long does it take for you to feel a little bit of confidence? I think there's a lot of people who would ask in that when they're listening. They're probably wondering, when will I feel more confident? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's that's a hard it's a hard question, too. I mean, I, I think it, it it took probably a good year, if not longer. Like, I, I don't know that I was ever super comfortable. I, I think it kind of stays with you and hopefully it's at least like a healthy amount it's not it's not you're not having tons of anxiety about it all the time but i mean yeah i think it comes with practice it comes with achieving those goals getting that first shell realizing oh wow i actually did it i am capable of this for me personally there's never i'm never at that blissful point of ah i've arrived this is great it's just everything's just different you know the take on the first couple weeks and you get to meet people and then it becomes beautiful and then and then you become more confident. But then you're still kind of on the edge because, yeah, and that's what I love about it. And that's what keeps me on my toes. So there's a interesting thing about like what you choose to work on. And I, in my research of you and I was getting to know you, I, I love that a lot of times for Humble Beginnings, whenever you have to do a kind of a subset of like a discussion about what you do or what you provide as services – you often have the same thing that says, instead of boring you with what year we were founded and what services we provide, I'm going to talk to you about what we make. And you say, we specialize in films that inspire. Our key focus is to tug on the heartstrings of the audience by making films that connect and stand out. How do you decide what to work on? What does inspiring look like? How do you even think about this? I'm sort of constantly at that place where I'm trying to be inspired. I love music and I need certain songs at different points of the day to stay inspired. And I need to be at this place of, of inspiration because it's just when you're, when you're, when you're sort of struggling it, for me, it's the inspiration that kind of keeps you, keeps you going. And when it comes to projects, it's, it's, it can sometimes happen very organically. There's, there's ideas that I write down over the course of the years. And then when it comes down to it, it's okay, great. Let's look in this, you know, let's look in this sock of ideas and see what I want to do things that come up in the news. It's just, oh, great. It's interesting you both use the news so much, by the way, um, <laughs> both as a hacker and in film, like in terms of like you know, focusing on what's going on. But you've opened a door, Adam. I know. You mentioned music. <laughs> I you know. mentioned music. All right, CJ, I'm going to start with you so Adam gets just 30 seconds to think about this. <laughs> I ask you, I need you I need you to pop a shell. This is very swordfish. You get 60 seconds to do something, right? right? And I need you to do this quickly. You got to hack it. It's never going to happen in 60 seconds, by the way. But let's just say I ask you to do this. You get one song to listen to. Oh, dang. What song will inspire you to get it done? Oh, one song. Um, My gut says I'm going to some sort of punk rock, high energy, maybe lots of like yelling, (laughs) upbeats, 
That's a rate your rage against the machine. Yeah, right? something so like that. Maybe some dead okay. to me, okay. some dear landlord, stuff like that. All right. That is definitely not at all what I was going to expect, by the way. But uh, having known you, I wouldn't have thought that. So, Adam, you're walking on set. <laughs> what is the song you choose? Michael Bolton. <laughs> nice. Get ready for it. Go the distance from Hercules. <gasps> no. Are you serious? No, I'm, I'm so dead serious. Awesome. Yeah, okay. I told you inspiration, you know. I've got, I got to get there. If I'm getting ready in the morning or if I'm going towards set. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, I feel like my kids sing that song to me often. So, all right, Hercules. <laughs> I'm going to bring this back to our, our cyber psychological thriller because I know this is something you've been working on and you've been pivoting on. Can you tell me a little bit about Uncovered so we can really get the word out? Because I think this is such a cool idea that you've started to put together. Like from what I've been able to gather, the structure of this is very amazing. Amazing. So Uncovered is a, I'm currently writing uh, the feature film of a short film that I created and it's an action thriller and it follows Natasha, who's a recent Cambridge University graduate in computer science as she tries to infiltrate a cyber criminal organization in order to uncover, in order to recover her stolen grandparents' life savings. So that's the spiel. Ooh, very ransomware-ish. That's something we, we do a lot of specialization in on our team. So CJ, you uh, did hacking, you did pen testing. We, we lured you onto the team. And we kind of did a bait and switch. Like we brought you on and we we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hacking, red team, you're going to be great. By the way, I need you to do vulnerability management and I also need you to lead a team. So we kind of nudged you into management as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do here? Yeah, um, I'm. Yeah, I manage the vulnerability management team. Uh, we're in charge of the entire vulnerability lifecycle, um, which uh, is prepare, identify, analyze, communicate, and treat. Um, so we basically focus on trying to make the company and our product more secure by resolving vulnerabilities. So can you explain a vulnerability to Adam? Because I would suspect he's probably wondering, like, so what would that matter about hacking? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so big difference between vulnerability and exploit as well. Vulnerability is focused. That's the actual weakness, whether that's, you know, a bug in some code in software or uh, more commonly just, you know, missing the most up-to-date patch for the program um, versus an exploit is actually taking advantage of that vulnerability. So that's how you're able to pop shells, as we say, and things like that, as you're exploiting the vulnerability. So, so there's got to be something there for you to hit. Exactly, yeah. So first, you're trying to find a vulnerability to exploit. Um, we obviously are in the business of trying to find vulnerabilities so that they cannot be exploited and ensuring we have all the proper mitigating controls in place to help lower the overall risk it presents. Um, so when you're looking for these, the, these, uh, the, the vulnerability sectors, I mean, do you have like a, a, a list or is it from experience of the kind of the weak, the weak points? That yeah, it's, it's a little of both. We, we have a bunch of different tools we use, uh, which do the heavy lifting. So just vulnerability scanners, but then uh, the sort of art to it is comes with trying to properly rate those vulnerabilities. Each vulnerability is not going to be the same. They're on different devices, which are in different parts of the network, which have different levels of access. So that's kind of the, the skill of past experience with what you know about the environment and how available the exploit is or how easy it is to exploit it. 
And then the severity level is how you drive priority. So we're going to take care of the high severity ones, the the bad vulnerabilities before we take care of the lower ones. I, so I've this, never heard you say that was an art, by the way. That's funny. <laughs> Go ahead, Adam. Do you apply the same method for, say, for example, if you was trying to exploit or find the vulnerabilities of a company versus, say, a person? Ooh, yeah. So uh, that would be more, I think you're talking about social engineering where you're yeah. trying to to exploit a human. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I will say, yeah, the most common and easiest way to get into a company or to exploit anybody is social engineering. It is taking advantage of that human. Um, I think it, my job was decently easy being in the Midwest where people are super friendly and want to hold the door open for you. <laughs> so <laughs> I had it kind of easier there. Um, don't ask for ID. They will just hold the door and you're welcome to walk right through. Um, but yeah, I, I would say a majority of the ways people are getting in these days uh, are through phishing emails or some sort of social engineering. That's fascinating. Technique. So are you saying that uh, it's the politeness that's the weakness of humanity? <laughs> yeah, one, one could say that. Absolutely. It made my job easier. That's for sure. Well, it's it's true. Like, I mean, it's helpful for a lot of social engineering. I have a whole speech about how I think that human beings are like our last biggest strength, actually, because I feel like it's <laughs> become really common to say like human beings are our biggest weakness. And I think that there's something to be said that a human being, while we've done a lot with AI and machine learning, I don't think we've gotten to the point that we can replicate intuition. And I think that if humans would just spend a little time on intuition and actually trust their gut, they'd probably would would stop holding that door open whenever somebody as suspicious as CJ comes through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with his punk punk music. Yeah, yeah with his <laughs> the machine blasting. I know. This is more so to do with with humans and a. Uh, the social engineering side of things. Have you ever got to the point where you you're shocked at what you've seen, or has anything ever dampened your day, or you've you've sort of discovered something so dark or sickening that is kind of just like, what am I doing? Or what are is you this person are you doing? looking for material for the terrorist cell activity <laughs> yeah, on your yeah, film? Just, you want <laughs> some Did bad guy inspiration? Yeah, we've got bad guys. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. There there were definitely days where. Towards the end, I felt like I wanted to take a shower to sort of wash off the bad energy I had been using all day. You know, part of the job is like, you know, tricking people into doing things they're not supposed to be doing, but they're only doing them because they trust you, a stranger. (laughs) And so that felt, you know, yeah, trying to balance that of like, okay, this is a job. The company has hired me to do this on their employees. I shouldn't feel that bad about it, but the the ethical side of it and and just yeah, that part of it feels can feel weird at the end of the day. I I think before you go to the darkness of like yeah, there's a lot of stuff we find on devices that's concerning or has to be turned over to the legal authorities. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that happens. And commonly, you'd be surprised how many people use their work computers for these things. Oh, like, no. what are you doing, yeah. right? And these are illegal activities. The most concerning that I think, CJ, I came across with social engineering is that the simplicity of it. It's so simple. We used to yeah. go on sites for pen testing and, and same thing. I had to, we were working as a like black bag ops. So it was, you know, no one was supposed to know we were there. We were hidden in like a server room somewhere to do pulls on the data. And the problem is like, I, we didn't have enough badges. There were three of us and there were two guys and myself, diversity, right? Hashtag mm-hmm. diversity. And so 
we went out to get lunch um, and I went somewhere else like to get Starbucks, of course, like coffee. <laughs> and they were like, oh, well, you don't have a badge. I'll give you the badge. And I was like, it's okay. I'll get in. And the reason I knew I was going to get in is because in midday, everyone goes for smoke breaks and a guy will let me in. There is no question. There is something mm-hmm. innate and like the masculine energy that will always hold the door open for a lady. There's just a thing about that. And I never once in three months ever didn't get in from lunch. The just simplicity of the fact that humans just – they always do what you think they're going to do when it comes down to it, when it comes to social engineering. So there's dark – there's deep, dark things that happen. There are things that we wish we didn't have to see. There is yeah. secondary trauma that we have to like mitigate against as uh, people who are visiting and like we're watching. We have to be careful about it and, and step away from it and go take that shower, tuck your kids in, walk away from it. But then there's just the simplicity of humans. They always do what you think they're going to do when it comes to social engineering. Oh, amazing. And uh, yeah, it must be just intriguing. I mean, yeah, uh, every day is not the same, which is great. I think that's a uh beautiful inspiration to kind of keep doing what you're doing and to always kind of be excited by it. There, there is, there's a, I, I, I took some notes actually about the three things yeah. I feel like are the common themes from you two working together. But so one of them is that it's that everything is different and that's the challenge worth holding on to. Now, Adam, you really mentioned that that was the thing that really made you stay is that because everything is different, it's a challenge all the time. You don't know what was coming up. And I think yeah. that's true for both of you. The second one is the fake it till you make it. I couldn't walk away from this episode without mentioning that because you both clearly elucidated there is a trial by fire. You will have imposter syndrome, but you will gain confidence over time. And I think that's the gem for people is like, don't worry, you're going to gain confidence over time. And this last piece is just that there's a, Adam, you mentioned this, there's a sweet spot of growth. There's an an area of uncomfortability that comfortable can be complacent, but there's an area of uncomfortability that's actually where you grow, that growth mindset. I think that's true for both of these industries, for what you're doing every day and also for CJ and and handling vulnerability management. There's an area of, of growth that needs to be continued. I do always like to end on a quote. So I, I can't help. I can't help it because there's like such an overlap of somebody who's you know, he's a, a British-American film director, producer, screenwriter, etc. Maybe he's filmed a lot of my favorite movies, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> but he has a quote, and it kind of reminds me of this conversation. But it, it's a lengthy one. It says, I always find myself gravitating to the, the analogy of a maze. I think of like film noir, and if you picture the story, it's a maze. And you don't want to be hanging around above watching the characters make these wrong choices because that's frustrating. You want to be in the maze with them, making the turns at their side, and that keeps it more exciting. I feel like this conversation is very much the maze, this inception that we found ourselves in today, where we merged this idea of film and vulnerability management and cyber. So I appreciate both of you being inside the maze with me today. And thank you for joining. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. That was extremely... um inspirational i think you've been listening to my playlists i mean amanda (laughs) you you smashed that one i don't know what to say thanks for digging into these topics with us today we hope you got some valuable insights from the episode please share your comments give us a rating we'd love to hear from you security sandbox is produced by relativity our theme music was created by monarch find us wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit relativity.com for more episodes 